0: Pizza and Denver Day, book three, Pie in the Sky, chapter one, fool me once, fool me twice. Detective Smith's funeral was planned for the Saturday following his death at sea that previous Tuesday. Pierce County personnel fetched his remains from Coast Guard custody. Tuesday evening in the late Washington State Police Homicide Detective lay in interim repose at the Pierce County Coroner's office presided over by his law enforcement colleague Rick Thompson's ex-wife who was the Pierce County Coroner Dixie Thompson. Detective Smith shared his big sleep with a morgue full of apparently demised though much less peaceful creatures, otherworldly, underworldly kinfolk of the weird furry thing that had killed the detective. Also Tuesday night, the physically exhausted and mentally fatigued Detective Rick Thompson sat in his flat, licking his wounds with old black-and-white movies, and steadily becoming steadier as he dried out. He was somehow aware of the metastasizing cliché that a mid-career on-the-wagon cop is. But his time out on the water aboard the Blint Mary had brought him nearer to a purity of the elements which in metaphysics which he had not s- been seeing enough of in his day-to-day trappings. He grew slowly more rested, higher and drier so to speak, as the characters in the films he patronized made their own mortal mistakes and committed their own dubious acts. He'd made a conscious decision upon Smith's death that he would Get on a wagon instead of on a bender. Later that night, this recuperative solitude of his was interrupted by Sandy and Kitty Roller of the local Tacoma Davy Jones Liquors Women's Roller Derby Squad. The Girls and Detective Thompson had merged as fast friends during the past few weeks in the unfolding of a local murder investigation that had turned out to be far broader and far, far odder than anyone had initially expected it to become. First, some out-of-town or out-of-state derbyer had had her head smushed like a volleyball in an hydraulic press during a bar fight down at some roadhouse in San Diego. It was initially thought to have been an isolated event, but a few days later on the night of October 11th, dozens of dancers and strippers from various working girl casts were killed nearly simultaneously at nightclubs up and down the North American West Coast, and that was still before, in r- retrospective comparison, things had actually become fide squirrely. During the course of Thompson's investigation of the local uh, 11 October edition of Murdered Nightclub Nightlife in Tacoma, the reports about werewolf ladies had started surfacing, and of course, regarding these reports, initially all privy years were skeptical, but it wasn't going to be that easy this time. There was an undeniable body of evidence, bodies rather, First, down in the Bay Area, and eventually right inside places like gas stations right here in Tacoma. Yep. Anyway, during the course of this investigation and its cascading and entropic and bizarro subsequent developments, the detective had befriended some of the local Derby girls. And here they were bringing their condolences about Smith's untimely and violent death that afternoon. With them, they also brought two of their circuit associates. Veronica and Becca Roller of the Phoenix Bloody Rollers Women's Roller Derby Squad who were visiting from out of state themselves. Thompson initially had had a little flame with Sandy liquor, but had more or less migrated over to the relatively more calm and grounded Kitty liquor. Sandy was a bit too predatory even for his delicate tastes. When the girls left Thompson's apartment that night, Smith's funeral. They left Kitty there and he appreciated this, Thompson did. It was nice to have visitors to break up the silence on such a night. Since the dark dog women had begun to terrorize the western United States, members of both the Lickers and the Rollers had transformed into light good witch creatures of some sort or another, quite frankly, for the seeming purpose of providing a supernatural counterbalance to the evil transmorphed creatures who were on the loose and killing people. Their kinds were as different as night and day, Lieutenant Mc, pardon the cliche. Lieutenant McKinney knocked on Thompson's apartment door about 11 o'clock. And though most of the quasi-minor she-gods had already left the building, his supervisor finally had the pleasure of meeting Kitty Licker. He had brought with him a six-pack of loggers and was surprised at Thompson's polite no thank you to the offering. I heard so much about you, said the lieutenant, always oh, a gentleman, to Kitty Licker. You break him, you buy him, though. He laughed. It was obvious to the woman that he had immense personal respect for Thompson. And it was more or less mutual. The lieutenant said California State Troopers had succeeded in delivering the bad news to Smith's next of kin. Beyond that, he would not say much about the late Scott Smith. There were. was not useful much to say out loud anyway. He sat with Thompson and Kitty for a while, enjoying Kitty's legs and watching the black and white TV. All of this went well with the ongoing Northwestern rain. There had been better days, but Thompson felt lucky in a number of ways, not the least of which being that he hadn't been a guy who was axed to pieces by a Seaborn she-wolf that day. Smith's most salient casework, aside from the obvious wolf-women issue, at the time of his death had involved the ax-murder of the local jazz saxophonist Tina Santos. Categorically similar, and presumed to be forensically related, was the subsequent Catherine Wells ax-murder-slash-rape that had occurred down in Olympia. Both the Santos and the Wells cases had evolved or devolved or become conflated with or otherwise had segued into the ongoing and nascent wantonly spiraling sharp wolf monster murder spree phenomenon or perhaps were occluded by it as well. Best way to say it, both Smith's and Olympia Detective David Wallace's investigation had begun heading down the same mythological nightmare fairy tale rat hole as had Thompson's before them. There had been a time when uh, there was only the abject funhouse terror escape werewolves without the killer land going sharks, but now even those Halcyon days were gone because now land sharking was occurring too. The first signs have shark problems had surfaced in tenuous correlation to the Wells homicide, insofar as the first weird shark thing happened at the same place where Wells body had been found at the Port of Olympia Marine Terminal, but by that time of his own death at the hands of a bipedal, death-wielding dog woman, Smith's casework had worked its way up to the same levels of weirdness as his colleague Thompson's. And Thompson perceived Smith's end as a cautionary tale of the stoutest gravity, but the dose of reality stopped at that, a due caveat, because there was still work to do.